It's a natural thing for a believer that has the Holy Spirit inside their life to be affected that way. That when we're afraid, we will also trust in God. Hi, everyone. This is Todd Fields, and I want to welcome you to the Worship Circle podcast today. From wherever you're listening from, this is episode 22. We are for you. We are with you. Our ministry exists to walk beside worship leaders, to mentor them, so that you know that you're loved by God. You know the power that you have access to through the Spirit of God in you, what the cross meant for you and for all the people you stand before, and what the resurrection means for all eternity. It's a honking nuclear bomb that has gone off 2,000 years ago, and we exist on the earth right now with our remaining heartbeats and breaths to bring glory to the King of Kings who is seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe you're more than a song singer and that when you open your mouth to tell the story of what Jesus has done to redeem you, that literally chains fall off from families that sit in the congregations where you serve. So we we just wanna keep telling you that because sometimes I know for myself, if I forget that, I can feel really alone and small and I can feel like I'm not part of a bigger story, but you are part of a bigger story and we, we're praying for you. We don't maybe know your name right now, but as you listen, I'm just saying a prayer for you that you would know that God has got you in whatever season you're in and whatever valley you might be in. Our special guest today is Rick Muchow, and Rick, I found out, has a brain cancer called geoblastoma, but I knew of Rick years ago and for so many years just because he led worship. He was the worship pastor at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren, in Southern California. So when I moved out to San Francisco with my family not too long ago, I knew Rick was out there and we ended up connecting for this interview. And I promise you're gonna wanna hang on and listen to every word because Rick ministered to me as a man who going through the valley, seriously, he's in the valley right now with his family, but he has so much hope and so much joy. And you're gonna hear that in his story and we can't wait for you to hear this interview in just a second. Before we do, We want you to know that we have an application window open for you to apply for small group right now. It's a first come first serve basis for our ministry. You can choose which small group you wanna be in for a six month term. We meet every month. We give you content that you're gonna be able to use for a lifetime. It's all recorded and you're gonna make make friends for a lifetime in your small group. My friend Paul Balash is a mentor, Charlie Hall, Kim Walker-Smith, Jeremy Riddle, Meredith Andrews, and Christy Knuckles. And it's our joy to literally open our life to you as brothers and sisters that have been doing this a while, made plenty of mistakes, but also have seen too much of the salvation of Jesus to keep quiet about it. And we wanna walk with you. We wanna pass on everything we've learned to you. So if you'd like to apply, if you'd like more information, you can go now to worshipcircle.com forward slash program And it will be our honor to see your application and pray about it and um, ask God for his direction for your life, even if you don't make it into the program. That's good. God's got you, and we believe that for you, and we're here to serve you and just to pray for you and be with you. So thanks for listening today. If you have any questions about Worship Circle, you can reach out to Brian at worshipcircle.com. That's B-R-Y-A-N at worshipcircle.com. Brian Isbell is a friend of mine. He's been helping us behind the scenes with applications that are coming in and with uh, systems and all kind of things. Thank you, Brian. But right now, wherever you are, I don't know what you're going through, but the odds are there could be some trouble in your life, and if there's not, (laughs) you may be pretending. 
We don't wish that on you, but Jesus did say, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this episode today, it was just my joy to sit down with a brother who I've seen from afar for many years, and I've heard his name, and I'm just grateful for, for his faithfulness to the kingdom, to his Savior, to this, the church of Jesus, to his family, and uh, right now he is just leading worship like never before, and he can't play guitar because of a surgery he had. His uh, hand is unable to move and do that, but he's leading me more in worship, and I know so many people more in worship maybe even now than even the songs that were sung because his life is a song, and it is my honor uh, just to pass on this interview that we did a few weeks back, and uh, I want you to just close your eyes, ask God even now, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me through Rick's life and through what the season he is in right now, would you just speak to me, Father? And let me even pray that for you before Rick starts. Jesus, thank you so much that you've got every leader listening right now, that if they're in the fire, if they're in the valley, that you know what that's like. Um, thank you that you took our pain and suffering, God, and that you've given us hope. <laughs> you've given us hope forever, Lord, beyond um, the beating of these hearts. You've raised us to new life by the resurrection of yourself your spirit in us is uh, what seals us for the day of redemption. And I thank you that you've got Rick and you've got his family and you've got his story. And we just pray for continued um, peace for him, that he could continue to say it is well with my soul. And for all these listeners today, that they would be blessed by a man uh, who just is in love with Jesus and, and is held up by the joy of the Lord in your name. Well, hi, Rick. We're so glad you're with us today on the Worship Circle Podcast. Thanks for jumping in with us. Thank you, Todd. It's my pleasure. I love you, buddy. Man, I love you, and it's crazy. We can say that, and we've walked you know, similar paths on different coasts for so many years. You at Saddleback, I've been at North Point, and um, it's just crazy that literally a couple of decades or more went by for each of us, and this is the first time we've actually talked to each other in person, but I think we have we share so many of the same, you know, things we've probably gone through in church world. Absolutely. Hey, I'm let's sure dig- there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah. Let's dig in. Um, I'd just love to for our listeners to get to know you a little bit and get to know the journey a little bit. Um, just maybe starting out with we'll jump into kind of your journey at Saddleback, but what how did music start for you? How did worship leading start for you? What was that like, you know, growing up? Was there some epiphany oh, wow. or, a, you know, how, what yeah, was that like? That's a great question. You know, I grew up loving music. My mom was a dancer and my yeah. dad taught dancing, but he wasn't a, really a musician. And I, right. I lived in Hollywood, California. And then my mom and dad got divorced and my mom wanted to move as far away as she could from my dad. So she, she picked New York City, and she actually wanted to be a, a dancer there on Broadway. Didn't wow. make it, but she uh, once she got established there in Greenwich Village, she uh, she brought me out there, and I actually went to elementary school there and got to do music lessons. And right outside of NYU, there's Washington Square Park, and I learned how to play guitar right there with all those other musicians in the 60s. Uh, it, was, it was a great wow. experience. <laughs> I actually got to to uh, study at Juilliard for a little bit with just private uh, guitar lessons and went to see many Broadway musicals as a kid and jazz clubs. And yeah, so 
I feel very, very fortunate that I had my incredibly strong uh, single mom uh, raising me yeah. in New York City. And uh, she took me to church, but I, I didn't really get a connection about a, a personal relationship. It was more of a cool thing to go to church. And yeah. I prayed to God, but he was very distant. And mm-hmm. um, not, I wasn't really living a, in any way, living a life of worship. But I did yeah. go to church, and you know, my mom was a super good person, a great mom. Then I moved to uh, California, and in high school, and I, actually in Northern California, not too far from where you are right now, I lived in San Jose. Yeah. And uh, from high school through college, and my first ministries, a couple churches, I, I lived in the Bay Area. Wow. And um, that's where I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 years old. Okay. And then my, my uh, you know, music was kind of a God. It was like a God that I worshipped before yeah. I became a Christian. And God uh, kind of took the music away for a little bit. And then mm. when he gave it back, um, it, the music was not my God. It was just a way that I could worship God. And I still yeah. didn't know what I was going to do with it other than because uh, I wasn't thinking I was going to be a minister of music, is what they used to call them back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But I, um, but I knew that I wanted to serve God, and then finally I got a call into, like a call from from the Lord. I felt into mm-hmm. full time uh, ministry, and I started working serving at a church. Wow! So. It's crazy that you were in New York. Did you know Balash at all, Paul Balash at all, back in those days? I mean, because he and well, his bride he were lives, in that New York area. Well, you know what? Paul Balash lives a block away from where I grew up. Right. One oh, block, my goodness. Right there in the village, huh? Yeah, I went to PS41, which is on 11th Street, and yeah. then Paul lives real close to that. Yeah, Carrie, my wife, and I went to visit them last fall, and- it's a it's a beautiful place, and I'm when you're telling me these stories of the music and you know back in the '60s that culture and all the folk stuff going on and you know Joni Mitchell and Hendrix, it gets crazy all the music that was going on that you got to see kind of firsthand as a kid. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was very very fortunate. I look back and I go, oh, even back then God was forming me to. Yeah. Uh, to be a part of encouraging people and also coaching worship leaders even now. That's awesome. So Rick, how in the world, like how did the Saddleback connection come for you? Is that, you know, through a, how did, how did God ordain that in your life to begin? Well, you know, I've got this new mantra in my life uh, and it's called every step is a step. And it's, it's new that I just coined that phrase for myself but yeah. um, I, as I look back, every step was a step. Yeah. And so, you know, I, first I gave my life to Christ, and then I started figuring out that I could use this gift of music uh, right. and creative arts for his glory. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then this pastor called me and said, hey, I need a part-time, be careful if somebody ever says it's a part-time position. <laughs> but anyway, warning, but uh, a, a part-time worship well, minister of music and uh, youth director. And so I did that for a couple of two and a half years. And that's where I really felt I got my calling into ministry. 
And this particular pastor was a friend of Rick Warren's back in college, but I didn't con- I didn't connect the dots uh, with with their relationship other than uh, when Saddleback started, my pastor, Mike McGuffey, uh, in Fremont, uh, he said, my friend just started this church and it's this cool thing where they're, they're reaching a lot of people for Christ and uh, their services are geared in a certain way where they're intentionally being evangelistic and, uh, and they're doing other things as well. Um, and he said to me, he said, wouldn't it be great to be a part of a church like that one day? And I said, absolutely. And I said, let's pray. And, and, I, and I prayed that day, Lord, someday I pray that I'd be at a church just like that. Wow. And, um, you know, we were in a church where, you know, it was very, very steeped in tradition. And for me, it was okay because I was mm-hmm. ministering to the people that were there, and we were seeing people come to know Christ and doing all kinds of ministry and stuff like that. But I just felt like, boy, there's so many obstacles here. I wish this church would could get rid of some of the barriers to reaching the people in the condos right behind the church. Yeah, And uh, we, we were going slow, but I always thought, you know, it could be done in a, instead of additions, it could be multiplication. And um, so that was my heart. And then I went to another church uh, that offered me a full-time position. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there four and a half years as their pretty much music minister, choir director. And um, one of the deacons that built Gilroy, I mean, like in the old days, if you ever go to Gilroy, you'll see uh, there's like the older section of Gilroy. Well, he kind of built it. He was the construction uh, general for all of that. Yeah. And, um he he left Gilroy and he moved to a beautiful house overlooking Laguna Beach in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Well, he started um, attending Saddleback Church and got to know Rick Warren. And uh, he told Rick Warren, he said, hey, if you're ever looking for a, um, a music person, uh, you might want to call this guy Rick Warren. And he said, I don't like his music. But a lot of people do, and I think you might like it as well because it reaches younger families. And um, and then Pastor Rick gave me a call, and I was on his list, and uh, uh, and the executive pastor had me on his list, and so they interviewed me, and then I um, they asked me if I'd like to come, and uh, it's kind of a longer story than that, but yeah, I was I was connected, but. But it was one step at a time because I started by saying yes to God when I was 17 mm-hmm. and just said, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I wasn't looking for a big church. I was yeah. looking to serve a big God. And, yeah. and I just kept doing that like one step at a time. And I enjoyed, you know, it was 25, 24 and a half years yeah. uh, on staff full-time at Saddleback. Yeah. And uh you know, of course, Saddleback wasn't what people think of as Saddleback now, mm-hmm. just like North Point wasn't when you guys started at North Point. But yeah. uh, now people look at it like this gigantic church. Really what Saddleback is, it's a place uh, that really believes in reaching uh, uh, reaching out to people that are 
hurting yeah. and uh, need Christ, and they have a, a real strategy for doing that. They call that the purposes, you know, the five purposes. People know those. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of times people look at a big church thinking, oh, it's a big church. But really what's more important than that is the big vision and the big heart that's behind yeah. it, whatever the church is. I know so many people have been touched by you and by Saddleback and Rick and the team. So many people just thank God for his ministry through each of you guys. Rick, tell me about, you know, so many Sundays you showed up, so many rehearsals, um, you know, years of just doing it, of showing up and seeing God move and use you. Do you have any highlights just looking back on your time and your worship leading that stick out as maybe a little bit above the others or what would you like to share? Without a doubt, I think it is the team building that sticks out to me. And then after that is all these people through the years that I had the uh, opportunity of baptizing, leading to Christ and leading in worship. And um, I don't know if you heard about this, but about five months ago, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is a, pretty aggressive. I think it's the most aggressive brain cancer that there is. And yeah. um, uh, Saddleback, I mean, I've been gone from the church for six years, and I've been coaching yeah. worship leaders. I work at California Baptist University training worship leaders, and then right. I'm going to different churches every every week. I haven't really, I just started that up again, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, for like five months, I've been, I had two surgeries and, you know, just kind of a little a little sidestep and um, yeah. and I think God is in, in, I mean that's a whole other story but um where I am physically right now it's amazing uh what what God has been doing I think and what this medical team has done whatever but the highlights are um built on some things that you know building teams they did this mm-hmm. benefit concert for me after I've been gone 6 years they did a benefit yeah. concert, which people can watch. I don't know if you got to see it, but it's called Healing Grace. It's it's on YouTube. Right. It's about okay. three hours long. And they brought back the current worship team, John Cassetto and yeah. Socrates. And then David Pack, who's a member there, who he wrote the song, You're the Biggest Part of Me. He sang with yeah, Ambrosia. Yeah, Ambrosia, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And um, then my uh, one of my former staff members, Tony Guerrero and Tim Davis, they put together wow. this benefit concert yeah. and um, uh, to see all of these people that God put together over the years, over a period of 25 years, wow. was is a great highlight. And just to see yeah. that and my kids, you know, that the gift passed through me and mm-hmm. my kids were infected and, you know, they're using their gifts for the glory of God. Absolutely the highlight. So for me, relationships with the people mm. of the church, absolutely the most important and the greatest highlight uh, for me. Wow. I'm so glad you said that. Um, it's crazy because I, I just, when I think about you, I think about the word faithful because I know mm. there's so many, um, there's so many people in any any you know job world that kind of come and go from job to job and definitely in church world oftentimes there's 
there's change and there's, you know, we're going to try this person and they move on. But you, you were with Saddleback for 24 years. And I know, I remember seeing that concert posted on social media and just seeing some of the, some of the video of it. It was powerful, Rick. And, uh, that I just want to say to the leaders listening there, what Rick is saying about it being about the people, you know, and you would say, first and foremost, it's about Jesus. We all know that. Um, he's the right. reason we do it, what we do, but man, there is such power in looking people in the eye and valuing the team members and loving on them and pastoring them and caring for them. And it sounds like that was your life for so many years yeah. there and continues to be, you know? Well, that is my heart. And you build habits, you know, a practice becomes permanent. It makes yeah. permanent. And so those steps in the, the, uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, the promises of God, they, mm-hmm. when you put them into practice a- in your life, they're, they're part of your bloodstream. And yeah. it, it's, it makes you, it transforms you into a new person. And yeah. so my hope is not in my talent. My hope is in God. Somebody asked me, they said, Hey, Rick, are you discouraged because you can't play uh, your guitar right now or piano? Cause my right hand from surgery yeah. uh, is, uh, it's coming back, but it's coming. It's not there yet. I can move yeah. my fingers. Praise God. And the you know surgeon said, you know, give it time. You, you know, you'll get everything back. Um, and so, you know, I'm doing that, but they asked me, are you discouraged? And here was the, here's the, the, the word that I thought of. And I think the Lord provided that for me at that time. And that is the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah. And it was, you know what? The joy of the Lord isn't my playing guitar. Yeah. Or, or the, my strength, I should say. My strength is not my playing guitar or my singing or any kind of talent or mm-hmm. even the, even my faithfulness. It's the joy of the Lord <laughs> that is, is the strength. And so I walk around with this, you know, I, I had some trust God hats printed and, yeah. uh, you know, I'm selling them on the website and encouraging people to, you know, get those and stuff like that. But I wear that hat around, and it's mm. amazing how many people are um, are talking to me about the joy of the Lord. I mean, people need to be encouraged, and uh, the joy of the Lord has been my strength now in ministry more than uh, more than you know my music ability. So that that's wow. a that's a huge blessing for me. And although I do miss playing guitar and mm-hmm. piano, it's not my God. And yeah. I, I am so grateful that God's in my life and, and, you know, whatever time I have on the earth, which, uh, you know, you see those signs that say for a limited time only. Yeah. All of us have a limited time only. And even though my mm-hmm. diagnosis said, you know, you might have a year, a year and a half, uh, everybody, is terminal. Yeah. And, but we don't think about that until we get the diagnosis. (laughs) But guess what? The Bible's already given us a diagnosis and he says, you are going to die. And the wages of sin is death. So what are you going to do with your life right now? Yeah. And so sharing your faith is like soup. It's so important to distribute Mm -hmm. encouragement and to distribute the word of God throughout all of your channels, wh- whoever you know, is a candidate to hear 
uh, about the greatness of God. Mm-hmm. I feel so like I was just word. rambling, but I'll tell you, uh, no. I, I feel so grateful that God's with me. And, uh, you know, I, when you talk about the highlight of ministry, um, yeah. it's the people, but it's also the faithfulness of God that's been yeah. in my life through all these years. Well, you know, when I heard about your prognosis, that was, it hit, it hit me because I'm like, you're, I get your ministry. You've been in, you know, served the Lord faithfully as a worship pastor for all these years. And I just started praying for you, bro. And so many people did. And um, just to hear you, Rick, in the midst of, you know, what you're going through right now, not even be able to play guitar, you're leading us all in worship right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On this podcast, you're leading so many in worship because it's not about everything going well on this earth. And then, you know, praising God in the midst of that. It's praising him in the midst of whatever circumstances we happen to be in in the moment. And you're choosing joy. And that just, I just want to thank you for that because it it mm. speaks volumes to me and encourages my heart and uh, soul. Oh, that's so thank great, you. Todd. You're welcome. Talk about, thank you. Talk about this, Rick. Um, you know, a lot of leaders leading. I talked to so many worship leaders. You coach worship leaders as well. What are some things that you guys put into practice or learned either the hard way or you put into practice early on just with family life and ministry that um, that kept things balanced or maybe they weren't balanced at times? And is there anything you can speak to that, speak to or pass on to leaders listening? Yeah, sure. I think first you, you just need to make sure your priorities are straight. You have your relationship with God. Uh, you you need to take care of yourself physically, spiritually, mentally. Leaders are learners, so you're always learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but but your family needs to be your number one ministry. Yeah. And and people, especially when things get like you want to do your best at at the church, and there's pressure and all that stuff. Sometimes we go, oh, I'm going to prioritize that over my first ministry, which is your family. Mm-hmm. There is no greater ministry for us than our family. Now, I know there are, uh, Jesus said, you know, leave your family and follow me. And I totally, I get that. I know that it, that's the Bible and yeah. that's what Jesus said. But I don't think he meant neglect your family. Right. I think he meant first follow me and then mm-hmm. and then make sure that you are following me which he says, you need to be a good father. You need to be a good husband. You need to be all these things, not neglect those things because of workship. And I talk a lot about that one. There's a difference between workship and worship. And yeah. many people are into the mechanics of building a church, and that's all they think about, or the ministry or building their careers and things like that. First, seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. Okay. And uh, oh, the way to do that is to make sure you're true to the word and and for, start with family. Mm-hmm. And then then you get into um like maybe your hobbies and things so you keep yourself fresh. I wouldn't yeah. put my hobbies above my family, but I would put hobbies kind of up there and then I would put my vocation after yeah. that. Yeah. Because people that just work all the time, they get dry and frustrated, and yeah. you're never going to be satisfied 
with your work. Yeah. You never will. But you can yeah. be satisfied with relationships. Yeah. And uh, even though relationships are tricky, uh, you know, we trust those to the Lord. So something practically that uh, Laura and I did, my wife Laura, is that we had a date night every Thursday night. And God supplied somebody to watch our kids wow. for us every week, the same person every Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And so we did that at least at least 18 years, maybe wow. 20 years that yeah. we would we would do that. We'd have the same wonderful lady come over and mm. and and she took care of our our kids while we went out and sometimes you know, it was more like fight night than date night. I mean, uh, to be honest, that's that's sometimes we'd go out and all we'd do is just like battle. And yeah. it was a lot better to do that uh, out somewhere than to do it at home Yeah, and in front of the kids. Uh, one thing that we agreed on early is that, you know, we would have a united front with the kids at all times. Yeah. That we would not. We would not complain about each other or criticize each other ever in front of the mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. I remember arguing with my wife and uh, at home one time, and my son Brandon, who was just one years old, and he just started talking. He he came out of his room, and we were arguing in front of each other, and he just yelled, kind of like, "Stop it!" It was oh, no. scaring him. You know, yeah. he was just one. And we both yeah. looked at each other and said, we're not going to do this again. This will never yeah. happen. Yeah. So um, so first we had our date night. And then Pastor mm-hmm. Rick Warren, he says, do this thing that I think helped. I think this still answers your question. But mm-hmm. he says, uh, divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. And we That's pretty so much good. followed that rule. Divert daily. Do something fun. That's not, you know, so serious all the time. Yeah. And then withdraw weekly. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people listening to this broadcast that are not taking their day off. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, we, we uh, find reasons that that's okay, but it's not okay. And the Lord doesn't like it at all. Yeah. And, and so, and it tires us out. It drains us. Um, so mm. I recommend that you withdraw weekly. I didn't always do that, but I, I did that a lot, and it yeah. helped me stay healthy. And then abandon annually, that's when you take your vacation. And, you know, I've been coach. you, you know, Todd, I know you coach worship leaders. I, I coach churches and worship mm-hmm. leaders. And one of the common things that come up is when right before they're going to take a vacation, usually mm. bombs drop in the ministry. <laughs> Yeah, You know, like the day before they're leaving, the pastor says, hey, I, I'd really like to talk to you when you get back. We need to talk about this or this or or whatever. Something happens and it distracts you from yeah. your vacation. Yeah, My advice is the Lord's going to take care of it. Leave it. Leave Just it behind, withdraw yeah. and leave it. Don't be thinking about it. Don't worry. The opposite of worship is worry. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and just leave it and worship God on your vacation. Trust God as much as you know how. Proverbs 3, yeah. 5, and 6. You know, I've got yeah. that song, Trust God, from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Too yeah. often, our biggest drain on our life 
is that we're trying to figure out everything. So yeah. instead of doing that, we should worship God and just go, hmm, I don't know. Mm. I really don't know, but God does. And I believe that God holds my future mm. and I'm going to be faithful to God. And, and you know, we'll, we'll trust him. That's so good, man. I I think for everybody listening, the thing you talked about with vacation or you get that email, hey, let's talk when you get back. It It's really tough because there's so many things that we worry about with family and provision and the whole deal. But what you just said about he, him knowing our future, him having a plan and just trusting that is a practice that we all need to to do just to kind of let go and rest in his plan for us. Yep. Um, that's Can I share one more advice. thing, Todd? Absolutely. About that? Okay, so uh, when I was diagnosed with this glioblastoma, yeah. I don't usually say that I have glioblastoma. I always say I'm diagnosed with it. And so far, yeah. the MRIs are looking good. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but I know God's going to do a miracle. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know he's going to do it. So anyway, when I was diagnosed, I had this, honestly, I had this shock. There was mm-hmm. this shock that came over me. And then at the same time, I don't think immediately, but just like right away, it's, I mean, soon after, I started feeling this real peace about mm. the whole situation. And then I thought <laughs> about that scripture, Psalm 50, verse 6, that says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And it dawned on me, when I am afraid, I will trust on you. It's kind of like when I'm in the sun, I'll get a suntan or a sunburn. It's a natural thing for a believer that has the Holy Spirit inside their life to be affected that way, that when we're afraid, we will also trust in God. We have to choose to trust in God, but there's this sense of peace from the Holy Spirit that just is transforming in our life. So uh, I don't think about the shock, even though it's Mm. still there, and I know it's a very sobering situation, but I think about the peace of God. I think about trusting God. And we can do that when we get that email. When I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in God. And and we can go, "Hmm, okay, God, help me with this. Help me Mm. just trust you instead of worry through my vacation which also means worry through my wife and it goes into my kids and something's not right. Something's not right all the time. And so instead of that, you don't deny your your issues, but you Mm go, hey, I'm a person of faith and I choose to worship Mm. rather than worry. Rick, I know that for so many of the worship leaders listening, we're all going to go through seasons of transition. You know, whether we've served five years in a church, 10 years, or, you know, a couple of decades, it's coming for all of us. So I just wanted to reach out to you as someone who's who's been doing this a while um, at a church like Saddleback and other churches you've been involved in. What words of advice would you pass on to the leaders listening? Thanks, Todd. I think that's a great question. It's relevant for everybody. Uh, the fact is that we're all in transition and we're, we should always have a mindset of transition. Uh, I've been at mm-hmm. three churches, uh, on staff, uh, and I, I've served a couple other places in internships, but one church was like 60 people and another church was 260 to like maybe 300. 
And then I spent yeah. most of my time at Saddleback Church. And th- the key for me at Saddleback was to uh, be transitioning all the time. One example mm-hmm. of that is musical styles. Musical styles don't stay the same. They're always changing. And to be right. aware of those musical styles is very important. And But then also, I think even more than that is to uh, be aware of your culture. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, and the, like the culture in your community and also, uh, the pastor's philosophy of ministry. Now that, yeah. uh, the philosophy of ministry can change over time. So you need to make sure that you're aware of the changes rather mm-hmm. than thinking, no, this is what he said last year. Uh, visionaries often see the present as uh, past tense. Yeah. So, so it, you know, if you're if you're just living in the present, you're living in the past as far as a uh, senior pastor visionary goes. So uh, that could frustrate you, or you could say, "Hey, that's just the nature of the beast." Matter of fact, the bo- mm-hmm. the Bible says, "Where there is no ox, the stall is clean." So. Mm-hmm. The fact is, some of us would rather not have an ox, and then everything's just nice and organized and predictable and all that sort of thing. Uh, what we want to do is develop this habit of being fast, fluid, and flexible. Mm. And that's, I think, a big key to, to uh, addressing transition. Another thing yeah. is, um, so like, for example, when culture shifts, we should be out in front of the curve, not trying to adjust to the curve. Okay? Right. so. The most important thing, and I, I do think, and I just started saying this the other day, Todd, I'm just working through this, this terminology, yeah. but there's a difference between a worship leader and a workship leader. A worship wow. leader is focused on the people. A workship leader is focused on the production. Mm-hmm. And I think excellence is a great value, but I don't think it's the goal of worship. I think right. it's a great value in worship, but the goal of worship is connecting people to God. It's connection, mm-hmm. not perfection. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, transition is not the goal of worship either. Some people, they're all about changing things and they don't even know why they're changing them, but they just think, well, if we're not growing, let's change stuff. I think you need to be, there's, there's a difference between being a pharmacist and a doctor. Anybody yeah. can have drugs. Okay, but a, a good doctor knows how to prescribe the right ones and the right. right medical care. So that's why I think coaching, and and this morning I just met with one of the guys that I coach in Las Vegas, uh, Matt Phillips. And I think coaching is so important because you hear from uh, a person that has been down the road before you mm-hmm. and uh, and and then just can tell you what they think. And then- you can do whatever you want. I mean, you just make yeah. a decision based on the the best info that you have at the time. Right. Uh, but but regarding transition, uh, we need to realize that we're all in transition. Uh, we're all in transition mode, and instead of waiting for the transition to happen, be transitioning, and then evaluate for excellence and say to your pastor. A lot of pastors they don't do evaluations. They come in and they say. Hey, this hasn't been working for a long time. 
That's the mm-hmm. wrong meeting to have. You need to initiate those evaluations and say, hey, am I on the right track? Am I going right. the right direction? What tweaks can I make right now? And, yeah. and they might say, well, I don't know. Um, well, you know, if you, if you were going to change anything, what would you think I should start changing? Yeah. And it could be all kinds of things. I've noticed there's a, been a lot of transitions over the last 40 years yeah. of ministry. I mean, a lot of things change. And uh, one problem that people have with transition is that it hurts. Because, yeah. and, and what I would just encourage all of you guys that are listening and gals that are listening, is that if you hold your ministry with a, a closed fist, it's going to be frustrating. But mm-hmm. if you open it up and say, God, whatever you want, let your will be done, not my will be done, but let your will be done. Let me be a servant of all. Then you're going to have a lot more joy walking through the transition. One more word about transition. If there is a tidal wave coming to the beach and you're looking at the beat at, at the tidal wave going, Hey, you know, I'm not ready for a tidal wave. <laughs> it's kind of like the wrong thought. You should be thinking, yeah. I need to head for the hills. I see the tidal wave. I'm going to head for the hills. I'm going to stay on the beach and drown, or I'm going to learn to surf. Maybe I need to learn how to surf really quick. Uh, I need to (laughs) learn another way to handle, but I'm not going to say, no, no, no. Let's not have the tidal wave because you cannot stop the tidal wave. But what you can do is you can learn to adapt, be fast, fluid, and flexible and then realize this, and you know, we talked about this earlier. I was diagnosed with a terminal disease. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all terminal. And everybody yeah. is going to face pain in their life. So yeah. if, if a transition is bringing you pain, that's not the end of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. What we need to do is we need to say, hey, God, I'm going to trust you as much as I know how through this transition. So if you want to demote me, if all of a sudden I'm not overseeing the whole program, but you want me to stay at this church and serve in another capacity, I'm all in. If if you don't want me to, if you want me to move someplace else, then I'll do that too. But never make a decision based on pride. Mm. Because pride can mess with you. Because a lot of times we listen to all the people that love us and they say, oh man, we don't, you know, we don't want any change. We don't want any change. And that's like looking at that tidal wave saying, yeah, let's just stay on the beach and see what happens. <laughs> right. Not good. Yeah. Not good. No. Nope. And you mentioned this earlier. Yeah. You mentioned this earlier. And I think it's a great value to remember just in, in season and out of season. But my friend Andy Stanley used to always say, one of the values that I have is for you to replace yourself. And I was, yes, I remember in the early, early days of North point, I was like, well, if I do that, <laughs> that's not good for me. But he right. had foresight to know, to know that if you do hold things loosely, and if we do have insight just to continue to build the church by replicating leaders, then you're always going to have, you know, something you can do that's of, of great value to the kingdom. That's correct. And churches are not hiring. Uh, they're not hiring for people that do. They're hiring for leadership. And leadership yeah. activates the body of Christ or activates other leaders. Yeah. So you need to think about that as far if you want a uh, a future in ministry, think about activating others' ministry 
as your ministry. Yep. Yeah, that's like so more good. of an activator than just a doer. And that, you know what, that's hard in worship music because, or in the, the music area in worship, because mm-hmm. we love music so much that we want to do it. A lot of the mindset today has been, and, you know, for the probably, I don't know, maybe forever, I don't know, but like, um, is the recording artist thing and this whole artistry yeah. thing and, and the surviving as an artist. And how do I keep, I want to make it one day and all that. I want to have a hit song and stuff like that. That's more like adapting to culture than it is yeah. sacrificing for ministry. And, and I think it's good to have goals and things like that, but goals are not our God. Okay. So yep. if, if God has another idea for us, that's perfect. Like right now yeah. in this season, right now in this season of my life, I feel as fulfilled as I've ever felt. And I'm, yeah. I'm witnessing to people. Uh, I've got, you know, I wear this hat that, uh, you know, I, I put together, they did a uh, benefit concert for me and I put this, the, uh, I put a couple things together, but you know, I've got that song, Trust God. And I, I made yeah. a hat that says, Trust God on it. That's kind of like where I'm living right now. And I think that's where that's we need a- to be living. Matter of fact, I heard years and years ago, Somebody sound checking, saying mm-hmm. uh, they said trusting, trusting one two instead of testing one two, and like <laughs> I heard this like thirty five years ago, and I said that's what I want to do. I want to st- I want to yeah. trust God with my ministry instead of testing God or testing the sound guys or whatever. So anytime I do a sound check, I say trusting one two. Well, we can do that through transition. We can do that through every season of our ministry is trust God as much as we know how. Three Proverbs three, five, and six. Yeah. Um, is really the best way to do ministry, and it's the least frustrating also. Because if if your pastor tells you tomorrow or today, uh, you need to transition out of here. If you're trusting God, even though it hurts, the Bible says, When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. So even when it's hurting, you can say, well, I'm going to trust God and this is going to be my witness and watch what God's going to do. Mm. Watch what God's going to do and he will use you. He will not forsake you and he's not going to turn his back on you because uh, there's a transition happening. Transitions can be fearful. Uh, they can be full of fear, but or we can be fear full of fear through transitions or we can be full of worship through transitions. Yeah. And we can say yeah. worship is the opposite of worry. So we can just say, we're going to trust you here. Wow. Well, Rick, your, I mean, your life, your heart, the joy even I hear now in, the, in your voice has just been such an encouragement to me. Um, Thanks, buddy. You're in, the, you're in the midst of, you know, we're all in the midst of the unknown, but you're in the you know midst of a reality of being diagnosed with something, and you're just yeah. trusting God every day with it. And I love the fact that you're you're leading me in worship right now, and I know all of these listeners, mm-hmm. you're leading us in worship because it's not it's not always you know we give God our heart and our love and affection when things are um, just going well. It's the praise has to rise in the darkness of the night, and um, it's wow. powerful. It's a powerful weapon, and 
I just know that your life in, uh, has been so impactful on so many people. And I just, as your brother, want to say thank you. And it's a joy and honor to have had this interview with you to, to talk and hear your story and to hear your encouragement for so many of the leaders listening. I'd love it if you would, Rick, just um, pray for the leaders listening now. Just kind of give a benediction to our interview and and uh, pray pray us out. Thank you, Todd. Hey, I do want to want to mention, and you probably do yes. this. I don't know how this works, but um, to find out more about my ministry and stuff, yeah, you can just go yeah. to rickmuchow.com. Okay, and got so it. I'm I'm teaching at CBU, a California right. Baptist University, and I'm coaching worship leaders. And uh, by faith, Great. I've scheduled I've scheduled five Christmas concerts. So hopefully. Wow. Hopefully, I'll be around for those. and uh, We're praying in that end, man. I won't have to refund all all the people's money for their tickets. (laughs) I love it. We're praying with you. Father God, I pray for worship leaders and uh, whoever's listening, and I pray for all the worship leaders in our world, Lord, that they would trust you as much as they know how. Lord, that they would look to you for all their needs. And, and know that you are a good God. Mm-hmm. Give us discernment and help us to have a servant's heart. Help us to grow up and keep growing, uh, Lord, in all the areas that we need to, to serve you well. Lord, I pray our, our, our worship would be authentic and not centered around anything other than you and your cross. Mm-hmm. And I pray that we keep coming back to the cross and remember mm-hmm. that we're your servants and it's mm-hmm. a worship service, not a worship serve us, and that we're here to serve you as long as you want us to. And Lord, I pray also that we would see fruit in our ministry, but trust you for it, that we wouldn't compare ourselves to other people, that we would, we would just come to you and say, Lord, your will be done in my life. Thank you so much for Todd and his ministry to worship leaders all over the world. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless this ministry. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. And we want you to remember that as you lead, we stand with you. There are thousands in the kingdom united with you to bring the message of hope in Christ as you lead week after week. We'll see you next time.